Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, that that little video, I don't know what it is about that music, but I want to dance. If I could dance, y'all would be in trouble because I would break out in some break dance right now in front of you, and and I would break something. Um, So I'm not going to do that. So uh, we started this last week by talking about how we communicate anger. And I said, uh, we say it a bunch of different ways. I used some different ways to communicate it last week. Uh, I've got some new ones for you, some that maybe you've used. We, We might say it like this. If you're angry, you might say, I'm chapped. Anybody? Okay, nobody. All right. Uh, how about, I'm hacked off. Anybody? I used to use that one a lot. Uh, I, I'm ticked. Anybody ever? Yeah, okay. So here's the new ones that I'm not as familiar with. I'm flashing. Okay, if you'd have said that in my day, that meant something entirely different. And especially since we handed out beads today, we're not going to use the new one. Okay, so so uh, so uh, I, I just, you know, y'all are in trouble today. Uh, here's the one I really never heard, but I, they say this means you're angry. I'm spitting chips. Anybody ever heard that? I, no? Okay, y'all are way too old. Y'all are way too old. So, so it, we discussed that how we say it doesn't really matter as much um, as how we deal with anger once we experience it. And so we begin to, to look at a lesson that we could find in 2 Samuel chapter 23 because if we handle anger or disappointment or bitterness correctly and we allow the Holy Spirit to use that in us, it destroys the enemy. Our issue is we just don't know how to handle it most of the time. So we begin to look in 2 Samuel chapter 23 um, where we discover that, you, that mad can become mad. Anger can, if channeled correctly, allowed to allow the Holy Spirit to to deal with it in our life, we can use it to make a difference. And we begin to talk about the account of David's mighty men. But long before they were mighty men, you could have said about these men that they were spitting chips. They were mad. They were flashing. They were hacked off. They were ticked because they were angry about the situation they found themselves in. So I read to you out of 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, so that you could remember how they were described. It says this, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam, and when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress, spitting chips, or in debt, they were hacked off, uh, they were discontented, they were chapped, uh, they gathered around him, and he became their commander, and 400, about 400 men were with him. Uh, one of the versions that I mentioned last week said this. It was men who owed a lot of money, men who were not satisfied with life. They were bitter about life is one of the versions. They were in some kind of trouble. That's not the greatest group to gather as an army. But somehow, even though they were broke, busted, and disgusted, they could find this way to allow the, 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 the Lord to work in them to make a difference. And so, um, they graduate, they mature. That's, I don't know why that seems to be the theme, I, I think I know why, of 2020 is we got to mature. If you're going to navigate 2020, you better grow up a little bit and how you, ha- man, y'all are quiet this morning. Y'all so far apart, y'all can't even, can't even talk to me. Okay, so, so you're so, you've got to mature until our anger morphs into being mad, making a difference. So I want us to go back in to 2 Samuel. We're going to read another account of one of these men. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 23, 
verses 11 and 12. No, this is not Abishai. I know you came thinking I was going to talk about Abishai, my favorite account in the whole Bible, but that's not this week. One week coming up. I didn't say it was next week. I just said one week coming up. So you got to come back to catch that one, all right? First, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 11 and 12. Next was Shema, the son of Shama, actually the son of Agi, the Herorite. Why? I don't know. Harry, he was the son of Harry. One time the Philistines brought their army together to destroy a crop of peas growing in a field nearing Lehi. And the rest of Israel's soldiers ran away from the Philistines, but Shema, or Sh- I can't say his name, Shema, I'm going to say it Shema, that's not how you say it, but I, Scotty said, in the middle of the field, he stood in the middle of the field and he killed the Philistines, the crops were saved, and the Lord gave Israel a great victory. Now, after I read this account, can I be honest with you? I'm chapped. I'm ticked off. I'm angry. I'm spitting chips because he stood in a field of peas. Now, most of you know that I have a severe distaste for vegetables. So I'm like, I read this account and I get very angry. If it was like a field of fried squash or fried okra, I'm like ready, armed. I'll fight you to the death, but peas? Come on, man, just give it to them. Just let them have it. It's peas, right? So now I'm angry because I want it to be squash and okra, but instead it's peas, so let, let them just have it. Really, come on, man, it's just peas. Well, maybe not. Okay, let them have it. It's peas. But his story to me is strikingly similar to the story we read last week about Eleazar. You remember he stood in the middle of a barley field and won a victory today, our hero stands in the middle of a pea patch and wins a victory. And so you might say, well, there's nothing new to learn here, but let me just point out to you that there is uh, some, some subtle details that I think help us in this journey to making a difference. The first one uh, is, is striking to me, so, so let me point it out to you by saying this. A pea patch may be your platform. Okay, so let me point this out. I think one of the glaring, distinct details that is missing in this account could be the most valuable difference between Eleazar's account and this account. And this one detail should stick out to us and speak to us, and that is this. In the account that I read to you from last week about Eleazar, the Bible says that David was there. In this account... Oh, Scott was standing all by himself. Okay, hard name. So in Eleazar's account, David is standing there right beside him. In this account, oh, Scott's right out here in the middle of this field all by himself. So in Eleazar's account, the king was there, the man, the potentate, the powerful one. Y'all missing this. The, the dog. He's there. He's standing right there with him. But in this account, oh, Scott's all by himself. How many of you know that it's easy to talk big and to strut a little bit and brag just a little bit when there's somebody standing next to you that has the ability to reward you 
for your accomplishments. How many of you know that when, when the king is standing next to you, there's royalty there? It's easy to, to, it's easy to brag and strut just a little bit because you know he can bless you. And you want to impress him. Come on now. Y'all missing this. Some of y'all need to go back to your playground days and remember how you acted when the cute girl showed up. Because you weren't all that and you didn't strut that much until the cute girl showed up. But because you liked the cute girl, all of a sudden you had some swag about you. And you had some bravery about you. And you would say things that you normally wouldn't say. Or maybe the, the, the popular guy would show up that you wanted to impress. And all of a sudden, this shy, timid, I'm not saying nothing, all of a sudden you begin to open up your mouth and discuss all you're going to do. Nobody? Okay, let's bring it to today. How many of you are in the situation where the rich person shows up in your office or the big boss shows up in your office or the person that you want to impress shows up in your office and you were this mild manner, just kind of timid, church mouse kind of individual until all of a sudden the person that could bless you, the person that could reward you, the person that could promote you shows up in the room and all of a sudden your demeanor changes. That's what happens in Eleazar's account. He's got the king standing next to him. But in Shema's account, he's got nobody. There's no king for backup, no king to impress, no royalty that can reward. So I have to ask this question then. Why was he even near the pea patch? What, what, why, why as a soldier would you be near the pea patch? Ordinary Everyday activities. Y'all are, okay, y'all, y'all haven't got it yet. So he wasn't glory hunting because the king wasn't there. He wasn't doing, the, he wasn't doing something out of, the, out of the ordinary. In fact, he was doing the ordinary faithfully, and he, this became the platform for the extraordinary. I, I wonder how many of us miss our platform because our platform shows up as a pea patch. I wonder how many of us uh, in seemingly insignificant moments that are overlooked due to the fact that they seem ordinary get angry and mad and we sit in the middle of our pea patch which was supposed to be our platform but we sit in the middle of our pea patch mad but we're not mad we're not making any difference because we don't like the fact that our platform looks like our ordinary daily mundane lives so we go to work and it's a pea patch and we don't like it and we make no difference because the king is not around for us to impress we go to school and it seems like ordinary daily life and we get angry and we're mad but we're not making a difference because we're sitting in the middle of a pea patch waiting on a much larger platform. How many of us sit around and fantasize and daydream about a larger platform, a platform where everybody will see us, a platform where the lights will shine brightly on us, a platform where other people will notice and take, take note of what we've done so they will sing our accolades and they will applaud for us they'll pat us on the back and we sit in the middle of a pea patch that was supposed to be our platform and we miss the opportunities to accomplish great things for God. See, Shema reminds us that it's when we are faithful in the pea patch that we become ruler over much. 
That sounds like scripture to me. Those that are faithful in the little things become ruler over much. Maybe the reason that we never become ruler over much is because we weren't very faithful in the small things. He teaches us that the extraordinary is often birthed in the ordinary, here it is, faithfulness. Faithfulness. I've said this before, but miracles are usually wrapped up in the mundane, so therefore you must find your pea patch. I'm glad my, my, my dad's preaching at another church day. My mom went with him. I'm so thankful because your pastor was about to get grounded for like six weeks, six months, maybe even six years because I was going to say this phrase right here. We got to pee. I've been waiting all week to say that. We got to find our pea patch. We got to find our area. We've got to find the small arena of influence. And here it is, serve. It may seem insignificant to everyone else. In fact, in this account, it seems so insignificant that everybody else ran from that pea patch. And I'm saying to some of you that everybody else is running away from your pea patch, but that doesn't give you permission to get angry and not serve. See, it, it, even, it may seem unnecessary. It may seem unworthy of your effort. But if a Shema shows up in a pea patch... Great victories are won for the kingdom. So let me just point some out real quick. It's when a, a, a Shema shows up and picks up trash after the first service so that the second service folks don't have to wade through your mess. That, that seems like a pea patch, but a great victory's won. It's when a, a Shema shows up early and stays late so that you can come in here and worship and not be distracted and everything's right. The lights are on. The, the, the sound is working. The kids are being taken care of. Those folks are heroes. It's when people show up and mow a yard for a neighbor when nobody sees it and nobody pays you for it and nobody applauds you for it. But you know the neighbor doesn't have the ability to do it on their own. And so you just go out in the middle of the heat and you mow it anyway. Even though you still need to mow your yard, you mow their yard. And you, in that moment you are stepping foot into a pea patch and a great victory has been won. It's when you leave groceries on a neighbor's porch and nobody knows about it. They didn't ask for it. You just knew they needed it. And you, you, are, you rise to what may seem like insignificant, unnecessary effort. But in that moment, you're like Shema in the middle of a pea patch. And it's a great victory. I, I was reminded of an account in Zechariah. In Zechariah, uh, what's taking place is a guy named Zerubbabel, the the names in the Bible are so much fun. Zerubbabel has decided that it's his pea patch to build back the temple. The temple's been destroyed. And so he makes up his mind, I'm going to go back because God should have a house and I'm going to rebuild the temple. The only problem was he didn't have all the resources that David and Solomon had. And so he begins to rebuild the temple, and the people see it, and they're excited. But then they begin to weep because they recognize that this temple does not look like the original temple. And the original temple was much more glamorous and much more glorious and much more ornate. And this is just a shack in comparison. And they begin to weep and whine and moan. And Zechariah comes along, and he asks a question because they're weeping over this small place. And in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, he asked this question. Does anyone dare despise this day of small beginnings? Then he says, The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. 
to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. In other words, what you are unimpressed by, God is rejoicing over. In other words, your pea patch may very well be the launching pad to great glory. So don't miss the platform because it looks like a pea patch. Take your place. Take your place. Take your place. We all have a pea patch. Take your place and fight and serve and be faithful. Well, nobody's clapping for me. Be faithful. Nobody's patting me on the back. Be faithful. Nobody's complimenting me. Be faithful. Nobody's putting my name in the bulletin. Be faithful. Nobody put my name on the sign. Be faithful. Nobody put my picture on the website. Be faithful. Nobody highlighted me on Facebook. Be faithful. Find your pea patch and stand in it because the pea patch may be the platform before the platform. And number two, I wrote it like this on purpose so we could have a little tongue t- twister to play with. We'll see how we do. Here it is. Pea patches aren't pointless but primary. Okay, we're going to say all that together. We're going to say it fast three times. All right, you got that on the screen? Here we go. On the count of three, I'm going to look at it too. Here we go. On the count of three, one, two, three. Pea patches aren't pointless but primary. Pea patches aren't pointless but primary. Pea patches aren't pointless but primary. Aren't you glad you're not on the front row and I'm not standing on the floor for this point? Yeah. Yeah. So if you go back and read the story carefully, what you discover is that um, there were some untrained Farmers, most likely working in that pea patch, and when the enemy shows up, they run. In fact, if you read scripture, it says there were other soldiers there, and they ran. So what's going on here is this. Shema apparently understood something about the tactics of warfare, and even though this field may have appeared to be nothing but an ordinary pea patch, he understood that this attack was not random, But instead, it was highly strategic. In fact, uh, perhaps the Philistines had chosen this particular piece of property to do this excursion in because they recognized or thought that nobody would bother to defend that one little area. They could take this one area of land with no notice, with no resistance, with no warfare. That's what they must have thought. It seemed worthless. But what the Philistines knew was this, and apparently Shema knew it too. If they captured that one little piece of property, they could set up an outpost that would allow them to go deeper into the possession of the promised land of the Israelites and continue to inflict casualties upon them. It was a forward advance area. And so they pick an area that they think nobody's going to defend, nobody's going to pay any attention to, and they attack that one. And everybody ran, except one, one guy that understood the enemy's tactics. And what I want to say to you this morning is this, is you better understand the enemy's tactics. There is no insignificant territory in your life. When, when the enemy comes to assault your life, can I just let you, I'm just going to let you in on a few secrets. When the enemy comes to attack and assault your life, he is not going to start with the thing that you're the most diligent over. 
In fact, what he's going to do is he's going to attack your pea patch that he figures that you will not bother to defend and where he thinks you will compromise. And in that compromise, he will establish a stronghold to take over other parts of your life. I just let you in on the biggest tactical secret of the enemy probably I've ever let you in on, and that is, is he will attack the areas of your life that you're not on guard in, and they may seem insignificant, and they may seem worthless, but they're not pointless, they're primary, because if he can get you there, he will establish a stronghold, and he will be able to attack further into your life. So what that means then is this, defeat happens one little pea patch at a time. A little bit of dishonesty here, a little bit of disrespect there, a little drink here, a little lust there, a small indiscretion here, a hurtful word here, a transgression unforgiven there soon becomes this huge root of bitterness. It's just a small insignificant, they did me wrong and I don't like them anymore and I refuse to forgive them and all of a sudden... With one little compromise, one little unguarded moment, one little area that seems insignificant, one little five-minute session on the computer, one little excursion into an area you know you can't go into, and all of a sudden, because you weren't diligent in that one area, the enemy destroys us one pea patch at a time. If we're going to make a difference then we must be diligent and guard every area of our life. We've got to stay sharp. We've got to be relentless and ruthless in running the enemy out of every inch, every millimeter, every centimeter of our life and say, you don't have any place here. Every inch has to be defended. Here it is. Your ability to make a difference will be determined by whether there are pea patches in your life where you have let the enemy win. You say, well, how does that work practically? It works like this. Well, I want to, I want to, I want to like lead people in worship. But if you've let the enemy win the pea patch in your witness, then you can't win to worship. Well, I want, to, I want to preach. That's what I want to do. I want to preach. But you've allowed the enemy to take over your Facebook feed. And in that moment, you've lost your ability to preach. Y'all, y'all, y'all looking at me? I, I, I want to influence people at, at work, but we allow the enemy to take over our work ethic. It's just a pea patch. I just don't show up and work as hard as I should because I'm tired, and I don't really like my job, and I don't like my boss. So I'm just going to slough off, and when we slough off, it's just a pea patch. We lose our ability to influence the people we're in contact. Man, I want to influence people, but I've let the enemy win in an area, of, in the area of where I go, and somebody sees me, and instantly my ability to influence them is shot. The loss of the pea patch, the insignificant areas, results in the loss of the ability to win in other places. That's why uh, if you want to make a difference, then you've got to fight for and win the pea patch in your life. That's why Samuel, or uh, 
Solomon asked this question or, or makes this statement. He knew this to be true. We need to capture this again. Solomon, Solomon's the wisest man that ever lived. That's what Scripture says about him. He's the wisest man. We ought to learn from smart people. Right? And all of a sudden, he comes along in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, and he says this, It is the little foxes that spoil the vines. In other words, we guard against the big things, but it is the small daily choices and decisions that are disguised as a pea patch and are insignificant that, that, that future defeats are won from. It's an outpost in our life. That's why I struggle. I'm struggling, y'all, because... The conversation seems to have changed. I'm struggling as believers in, the, in 2020. I, I, we've, gone, we've come so far from the New Testament. I, I struggle. I struggle. I'm struggling. I can't wrap my head around this. Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this whole concept is reiterated in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 22 when it says this to believers. Here's what it says to us as believers. Avoid the very appearance of evil. Okay, let's put it in Old Testament terms. Take care of your pea patch. That's what he's saying. And now, in this day and age, the conversation has changed from let's avoid the very appearance of evil. This is literally what I hear people asking. How much can I get away with and still be saved? Where, where did that... You know how we got there? Pea patch. Pea patch, pea patch, pea patch. Here I avoid the very appearance of evil, so I don't use the language that the world used. But oh, I, I think I could probably still use the words I want to use, and 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 and, and still love Jesus. Pea patch. Oh well, if I can do that, I can also do everything they do on Friday night. Pea patch. I can watch what they watch. Pea patch. I can act like they act. Pea patch. I can spend my money the way they spend their money. Pea patch. I can smoke what they, what they smoke. Pea patch. I can treat people the way they treat people. Pea patch. And all of a sudden, we're way over here going, how much can I get away with and still be saved? And we're no longer way over there, which was we didn't even want anybody to think. I wouldn't even drink an IBC root beer because the bottle looked like a beer bottle. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. Now, I'm not, I'm not asking us to swing back to, to legalism because I grew up in that. I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to where I couldn't smile because a smile was a sin. I couldn't be joyful. I was just mean. I don't want to be one of those old, mean, legalistic Christians. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we've got to guard the pea patches of our life so we don't give the enemy an inch because he'll take a mile. He'll take a mile every time. We are losing the pea patch, and in the process, we are losing valuable and tactical ground that the enemy can use to do greater damage. I'm asking you, I'm telling you, we got to pee, y'all. We got to find our pea patch and say, this is a piece of ground that I cannot back down on. I cannot let up on. I cannot compromise in. I will be honest. I will be loyal. I will be faithful. I will honor my word. I will treat people with respect. I will treat people with love. I won't gripe them out. I won't cuss them out. I won't do any of that. 
that stuff because I recognize all I'm doing is giving up an inch and inch and inch and inch and inch and at a time until now I'm a mile away from representing Jesus well. It's all about your pee patch. Come on, Catherine. It's all about your pee patch. My question is, number one, do you despise your pee patch? I know it just seems small. The stuff you're doing right now, nobody's taking any notice. But can I tell you that great victories are won in those areas? Don't quit. Don't quit being faithful. Don't quit serving. And number two, I'm asking you to go back and recognize that the pea patches of your life, they're not pointless. They're primary. If we win in the small things, if we, if we watch for the small foxes, if we avoid the very appearance of evil, then all of a sudden, our hands are raised in victory and we win territories. Oh, by the way, oh, Scotty, Shamal, was one of David's, ends up being one of David's three mighty men. There's 30 listed in Scripture, but he was one of the top three. And all he did, the only thing it says he did, is he won his pea patch. Let that sink in. The only thing, he didn't go kill any giants. He didn't go on any raids that we know about, not even listed, none of it. He didn't go out and like win a, a billion dollar treasure from None of it. All he did, and he's elevated to the top three, is he won a pea patch. That's it. And I just came to tell you this morning, if you would figure out where your pea patch is and serve, and if you would guard your pea patch so that the enemy can't invade that one little area of your life, there could come a day where you're standing on the platform going, God used me, and now you've been elevated and promoted simply because you were faithful in the small stuff small stuff. Father, I pray this morning that you would do what I cannot do. I pray that you would communicate what I cannot communicate. I pray that you would rally folks in this building, in this room, online right now. You would rally us to go back and examine the areas of our life that may seem like a pea patch, small, insignificant moments, but highly tactical, highly strategic in our life. And I pray, first of all, God, that for folks that are in this room that think that what they do doesn't matter, I pray that they would recognize that even from a pea patch, you can win great victories. And I pray that in this moment right now, they would make up their mind that if nobody ever notices, nobody ever pats me on the back, nobody ever calls me out for, over the microphone, no one ever writes an article about me, no one ever applauds me, I'm still going to be faithful and I'm going to serve in my area because my area matters. My area matters. And so I pray we would be faithful in those small things. And then, Father, I pray that we would come back to this place where we examine our life and we would, we would compare our life to the commands that we've been given in Scripture. I, I, God, I, I don't want us to compare our lives to Hollywood. I don't want to compare our lives to the, the neighbor next door. I don't even want us to compare our lives to each other. I want us to compare our lives to Scripture. What does your word say? Your word says that we should avoid the very appearance of evil. It's just a small pea patch. Little areas of our life. God, I pray that you'd point out the small areas of our life that we've compromised in that now lead to greater defeats. I pray that you would allow us to go back and win those pea patches back so that the enemy can't 
make these excursions deep into our territory and produce great defeats in us. God, I pray that you call each and every one of us. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.